edition of the College Football News Podcast. As always, it's Nick Shepkowski alongside Pete Futek, ready to break down Week 9 and look ahead to the fun ramblings and happenings that's coming in Pete in Week 10. Pete, what is happening, my man? Something's going to happen in Week 10. We know Illinois beat Wisconsin two weeks ago. We have Kansas State beating Oklahoma last week. Something quirky has got to happen because it just does. But here's the fun part about this this week is that there's no Minnesota, there's no Penn State, there's no LSU, there's no Alabama. So we are guaranteed two relatively massive games in Week 11 and because these teams cannot lose unless you know something else bad happens to Tua's ankle. And other than that, we're fine. Yeah, going to be a huge week next week. This week, not so huge. Georgia and Florida, the marquee matchup to, to kind of look at, and we'll get to that coming up here in a little bit. But there's a ton to react to from week number nine. One team is out of the college football playoff that looked like they were going to be in. One team went on the national stage and completely wet themselves and left Ann Arbor in embarrassing Literally. fashion. Yes, they did. Um, they left soaked, and it, I guess it was for multiple reasons that they did that. Ohio State looks like the best team in the country to me, and we'll get into that a little bit further in detail in just a little bit as well. And, uh, yeah, LSU wins another home game and is primed for a huge game a couple of weeks from now, SEC-wise. Where's the one that makes the most sense to start with? The big upset of the week, Oklahoma falling at Kansas State despite uh, yeah, K-State doing it. everything you know, to try to give it back? Well, that's it. I mean, because that changes the entire landscape of it. And it, to not go ahead here, but that kind of stinks for Notre Dame, obviously, because all of a sudden there was the door open that said, okay, who, you know, how do you get into this if you're a one-loss team like Notre Dame? Well, it starts with you need the big Power 5 powerhouses to start dropping off, and that's the one. Now, look at Oklahoma a little differently. Before, it's like, okay, gosh, look at this. It's just a machine. They're ripping through everyone. But now if you take a look at it, that Texas win, not that big a deal. Because they almost lost to Kansas. They did lose last week to TCU, which I still don't understand how that happened. And Texas has fallen off the map. And that is the only game of all seven wins so far for Oklahoma against a team that's going to go bowling. The other six wins are teams that are not going to become bowl eligible. So now you look at Oklahoma and they look beatable. At the very least, their resume isn't great, which then, hello, Utah, hello, Oregon. You know, now it's opened up to the Pac-12 a little bit. Now we've got it's opened up to that Alabama LSU loser. It's opened up to the Ohio State Penn State loser, assuming Penn State gets by the Gophers. And, and now it just opens up a whole slew of possibilities because uh, unlike the past where you can pretty much know that a 12-1 and Power 5 conference champion is going to get in, that's no guarantee this year for Oklahoma. Yeah, it definitely is not a guarantee. I'm 100% with you on that. Who do you use the best one-loss team in the nation? Florida and Georgia, one's elim eliminating the other this coming week. But is it Oregon? Is it Oklahoma, who was just a top-five team before disaster happened with them in Manhattan, Kansas? Is it Utah that doesn't get the love out west that maybe it deserves? Who's the one that you – or is it possibly Minnesota or Baylor? I tend to think no on that. But would a Baylor or Minnesota team with one loss be in that conversation of uh, knocking on the doorsteps of any of those guys? 
No, because here, here's the way we have to kind of look at this starting next week, and we can do a whole we're gonna do a whole big thing, uh, assuming that you know you're really annoyingly timed, you know, kid being born. Look at you having a life and people. And when the college football playoff rankings come out, the the way we're gonna have to look at this is it's not just okay who is the best one loss team, but who is the team who's got the most acceptable one loss? And at the immediate moment, it's Florida. Because if you look at what the Gators have done, you know, against they beat Auburn, they've been good so far, and their one loss was to LSU, who technically is the number one or number two best team in the country. I think Ohio State's probably by there too. But you look at what the Gators have done. And now to really push this forward 10 steps, let's say Florida beats Georgia. And let's say it loses again to LSU if LSU gets to the SEC championship game. And if the Gators have two losses and both of them are to LSU, you have to start looking at Florida and say, theoretically, this might be one of the four best teams in the country. So we'll see this week. But the Florida-Georgia winner is probably going to be that best team in the country with one loss. It seems that way. I would say to have a real problem if Florida got itself into the college football playoff in that scenario. You had two chances at LSU. I get one's a road game, one's a neutral site game. But if you get two chances, in my world, you don't get a third to get by LSU. I'm no with ifs, you. ands, buts, but ors about it. I am with you, except for the fact that that's not theoretically how this works. It's supposed to be a four-best team theory. Now, to me, I'm with, I am 100% with you. If you can't win your conference, you don't belong in the college football playoff. But if you're going to go by the, the college football playoffs idea of we have to take the four best teams, honestly, at the immediate moment, I would be about a thousand percent cool with it just saying, OK, it's Alabama, it's LSU, it's Ohio State. And OK, you know, if you want to take a Clemson or take a Florida or take a Georgia, I, I'm fine. Whoever ends up being out of that mix, I'm good with. Yeah, I'm with you. I get it why it happens. If it is truly the best four thing. But if it's college football, college football has the best regular season of any sport that there is. It's, it's plain and simple. It's not even a debate, I don't think. And why why not have it value that much more then? Give that much more meaning to it of, okay, this is essentially an elimination game. Might be being played in the middle of October or the end of September, but it's an elimination game if you're not winning I your division. I can tell you the exact problem. It's It's Minnesota. It's Oklahoma. It's not fair if you're eight no Minnesota and you've played nobody. Meanwhile, if Minnesota plays LSU, if Minnesota gets Auburn, it's not winning that game. Now that's speculation, but it's certainly a lot easier to play this schedule than it but, is to play, say, Clemson. Okay, schedule. Minnesota right now is that way. Minnesota still has Penn State. Minnesota still has. I mean, if things Wisconsin, work, Wisconsin, Iowa. Iowa if they somehow get through all of that and they win the Big Ten West, then they have Ohio State sitting there waiting for them in Indianapolis. So through eight weeks, yes, you're right. They've played no one of consequence. But it's not that they won't. If they get to 13-0, and which they won't, I mean, you could well, keep this Well, that's different. Tape, if they but, actually win it, then yes. But so it's not, but a, it's not a worry that, come the end of the year then. Yes, but exactly the same point, though. Do you say that at that point, are you like, okay, am I taking 12-1 and Oklahoma, who basically their big win is going to be, what, Baylor? I mean, that's no big whoop. You can't re- Here's the crazy part. You can't really go with the Pac-12 champion over, in this incident, Florida. Because if this happens, if let's say Florida does lose two games and that second game's in the SEC championship to the be-all, end-all, whatever it is, number one Alabama LSU winner – then if you're Oregon, you can't put a Pac-12 Oregon in over a two-loss Florida because Florida beat Auburn. 
who beat Oregon. So you, it's 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 harder than you think when it comes to how the college football playoff committee puts this whole thing together. So to get back on the rails here a little bit, the Oklahoma loss is a killer. It's big. It's just it's not for a team that does not have a big non-conference win and doesn't have a massive win because Texas just isn't that big a win. It's it's huge. It's yeah. a, it's a really big moment and opens the door up for everyone else because if Oklahoma loses again, Baylor's not going 12 and 0 or 13 and 0. So then you open that up even further. So this is going to be a real interesting last month. It it definitely is that part. They need Baylor to stay unbeaten, and even if Baylor's not that impressive in doing so, they just need the perception of Baylor to be a top five, a top ten, five, knocking on the door of a top five team when they actually get them in a couple of weeks. So then at least you have the, okay, yeah, when we beat Baylor, there's at least a rallying cry for Oklahoma, but I tend to be with you. I think yeah, that, Baylor's that in they that need Minnesota a, bucket. They need a lot yeah, of ba- help do the Sooners. Baylor's best uh, Baylor's best non-conference win is Texas San Antonio, UTSA, fight fight fight. It's they haven't beaten much of anybody. They beat Iowa State, okay, fine. They've got a couple of Big 12 wins that are nice, but again, Big 12's just not there this year compared to some of these other conferences. So, again, if you're Oklahoma, if you're Oregon, if you're Utah, the door is now open for you guys because these guys are going to each have wins over ranked teams. You're going to look at their schedules, and that's going to be some of the more interesting theoretical debates going forward is Oregon or Utah, whoever wins the Pac-12 championship at 12-1, and is going to have a better resume than 13-0 Clemson. Not going to happen when you're knocking out Clemson, but at the very least there will be a discussion there. And then it gets down to the who's the, who are the 11-1 and superstar big teams that lose who is it going to be Penn State at 11 and 1 is it going to be the Alabama LSU loser this is there's a lot of funky theoretical debates which can all be blown up by another Illinois over Wisconsin type of thing happening going forward yeah and all of a sudden coach Lovey and the coach of fighting Illini they're unstoppable I in fact tried to punch up micronpc.com in honor of an Illini team winning games here lately micronpc.com the old bull that they beat over Virginia 20 years ago no longer in existence so if you're looking for a domain so they're not sponsoring the college football news podcast yeah unfortunately not they are closed for business and closed for operations so we got to find somebody else to milk a couple dollars out of other huge one this weekend didn't necessarily have it had it had college football playoff meaning after especially the Oklahoma loss but that's not necessarily the takeaway. It's a Notre Dame team that is, was supposed to be different. It was supposed to have changed. And instead, they leave Ann Arbor on Saturday night with Jim Harbaugh getting that big win against the top 10 team and Notre Dame looking as embarrassingly bad as they've looked in any big game in not just the Brian Kelly era, but of any era since Lou, Lou Holtz patrolled those sidelines. Wow, you're even bypassing the Bob Davey world, the Ty Willingham world. Charlie Weiss had a couple years. That was that was a top ten team that they were supposed to be. They were coming off of a bye week. They were the ones that were rested. They didn't play late at night last week in Penn State. They didn't have you know the emotional toll that that game took. No, no, no. You had a week off to prepare. You came out with an offensive game plan that was awful. And like I've said time and time again. Ian Book works his butt off and he plays as hard and all of that and grindy and feisty. Ian Book's not that good of a quarterback, and you saw the shortcomings every time you looked up on Saturday night. Ian Book was not the pro the, the lines. And to your point, like right now I would be spiking the Jim Harbaugh is better than you think ball if I didn't completely whiff on you kind of alluded to this, the idea that rest mattered. 
I thought Michigan State was going to be great coming off two weeks off and with Penn State coming off that emotional win over uh, over Michigan. I thought Michigan, like you said, was going to have problems because it got beaten up in that Penn State game and the Irish had two weeks off. I, I, I'll go along with missing the oh, – the, a slight miss over saying Michigan State was going to beat Penn State. Maybe Maryland was going to come up with something against Minnesota. Other than that, I would be all over Harbaugh right now and give them credit because they had they don't have anything really to play for in this game other than pride. They're out of the college football playoff hunt. They're realistically out of the Big Ten East hunt. There's there's a funky way that this that they could make this happen, but it would be incredibly impossible. They're still in the Rose Bowl chase somehow if they keep winning. Uh, so in that way it mattered. But they played hard. I mean, give them credit for just coming out there and putting it all together. And that's kind of the Michigan team we were waiting all year for to show up where whatever happened out of the locker room in that Penn State game carried over in the second half and it carried over to the, this game against the Irish. And let's see if Michigan is really like this going forward. If it's a change, uh, program changing type of win, it will be interesting to see. I think everything with Michigan uh, comes down to what happens that Saturday at the end of the year against Ohio state. And I'm still not ready to put them quite in that class, but it was an impressive showing. I mean, defensively, they looked worlds and worlds ahead of Notre Dame. You're right. The Lions did control the game. Hell, all you had to do with Shea Patterson was turn around, hand the ball off, and there's eight yards, there's nine yards, there's another seven yards. Oh, there's a run for 30. It was disastrous, and it just looked like a Notre Dame team that was a deer in headlights for whatever reason. For a team that's played in big games, it didn't seem to be a factor. Experience did not seem to be a factor for them in a good way whatsoever. So I ask you this very quickly with that happening, and we'll get on to Ohio State and some of their greatness, LSU, and looking like it's going to be a 1-2 matchup next week against Alabama, all of that here to come. Nine and a half years in now, what's Brian Kelly's legacy at Notre Dame? He, he's There's a hard ceiling. It's, his legacy's got to be, I mean, if you blow off all the you know deaths and things, um, his legacy has got to be he's done a great job with the program. He's gotten them close. He just has not been able to quite get that thing over the top where they've got they've recruited well enough, but it's hard. I mean, it's just it's hard to be Ohio State. It's hard to be Alabama. You know, the, the same things we say about Michigan or I say about Michigan and Harbaugh, about how it's hard to win all these big games. You know, even if you're Notre Dame, it's just impossible. And this whole concept of. Well, it's Notre Dame. You can't really recruit there, and you have all these other things. It's not the Notre, you know, the Irish doesn't carry the cachet of last year's. No, they're still great. They got to the college football playoff last year. They're sending guys to the NFL. He is doing a great job. The problem is, and I'll use the same thing I used with Harbaugh. Okay, Brian Kelly, I'm not a big fan of his, but okay, you're winning a lot of games. If it's not him, who's next? If it's not Urban, if it's not someone who's just a complete total stud superstar, who's going to do more than keep your team right in the thick of things for 10 wins plus each and every year? The problem, though, with, with being Notre Dame is you just you don't have that conference championship to play for. You don't have the – so if you're not winning an ACC title, it just looks hollow if you're, okay, we're just going to a bowl game if you're the Irish. Yeah, and that's what uh, this year – what he has to do that he didn't avoid in 2014. They started unbeaten. They lose a heartbreaker on the road at Florida State, and it spirals out of control because – a little bit of injury-wise, but it just was you knew the college football playoff was done. And in November, the bum Northwestern team went into South Bend and won, and they were losing to 
bunch of teams that they should have beaten at that point. Curious to see how this one will end for uh, for Notre Dame. If it's I mean, they still can chase ten wins, if that means anything to anyone, they haven't won ten games three straight years since the early '90s under Lou Holtz. But it's just, I mean, I, I, I'm not sold that they're necessarily going to win out just based off of what history has kind of told us. Here. All right, we're geeks, so we care about this stuff, but the yeah. average fan on the street doesn't. It, the idea of Notre Dame can still absolutely go to a New Year's Six Bowl. If it wins out, it can be one of the higher-ranked teams. Now, it's kind of strange. They, they they get the ACC spot in other bowl games. They right. don't get it when it comes to the Orange Bowl. So, you're unfortunately, we're going to see, like, Virginia get just stomped by, like, Florida or Georgia or LSU in that. Uh, but... Notre Dame can still get there. They can still get one of those at-large spots if they keep winning out and do it impressively. But it, does it really do anything if they don't make a New Year's Six Bowl? It's big on a national scale, I guess, on that day. But it's not. It's a good thing to put on a resume uh, and you put throw it onto the pile. But if it's you know if you're not in the college football playoff now, if you're uh, if you're uh, Brian Kelly, it just doesn't matter because again. You cannot get in the college football playoff, but if you're like Lincoln Riley, let's say Oklahoma doesn't get there, but they win the Big 12 title, that's something. You get a T-shirt. All right, that's something to throw on there. <laughs> yeah, something for the trophy case, at least there. The independent trophy uh, doesn't do a whole lot of – not a lot of pictures being taken with that inside the football facilities in South Bend, I am sure. Yeah, it's it doesn't mean a whole ton. Like, you, you start talking Camping World Bowl and whatever else it might be instead of going to the Cotton, instead of – there was some back way that they could play an ACC team in the in the Orange Bowl. It seems like that's going to require a lot of help in order for it to actually happen. It's just, yeah, so long New Year's Six. Enjoy, uh, enjoy but what, Orlando. But what you're pointing to, and, it, and it's the problem that all big-time Blue Blood fan bases have – they all want think they they want to have teams that are in the college football playoff every single year, and it's just impossible. It is so hard. I mean, right? Unless you're unless you're literally Alabama or Clemson, or Ohio that's State. Just not, well, Ohio State's had plenty of years where they've been great and not there. Or yeah, they should have been. But like sure. at least they were knocking on that door, and you could have made the argument. But even to have, excuse me, to be at that level is just absolutely impossible unless you absolutely catch a momentum you know, lightning in the bottle for that particular era, whether it was Florida State for so long or Miami for so long, uh, it just or USC for uh, that quick run in the 2000s. It's it's just hard. It's just really hard to it. Sometimes you just need that one class that somehow breaks through and you get that for three years and it just snowballs from there. But again, give Brian Kelly credit. I mean, his he had the one real dud, but outside of that, his teams have been right there with ten wins or more every year. You could make the case that, uh, you know, they they should have been close to in had Conrad Urquina for uh, Stanford a few mm-hmm. years ago not hit that bomb of a field goal. Deshaun that is a Kaiser. hell of a pull on a name by you. Thank you. I, I botched it too, but uh, it was after Deshaun Kaiser. I still think is should have gotten more credit in the NFL draft world, and it's, he still needs a chance. Anyway, uh, they've been close, but it's just really, really, really hard to do. And if you're a Michigan fan base, if you're a Notre Dame fan base, if you're a Nebraska fan base, uh, USC fan base, it's no fun when you're watching everyone else get to open presents and you know you're not. It's you hear all of the past and oh yeah national power national program that people like to watch and then you see it not necessarily perform on the national level like you would like it to see one team that does do that we just mentioned them very briefly there took care of business again this weekend in the horseshoe to me I I'm not more impressed by any team in the nation than I am They're Ohio State I mean offensively defensively 
show me where their weakness is. I really am having trouble finding one, and it feels like each week I tune in and see them, I walk out more impressed. They were more physical than Wisconsin. And I know I, I the one narrative that this last week that just got completely blown out of the water, the whole idea of who is more rested. How about the, the weather teams this year, this week? Like you would have thought that Notre Dame was a tad more physical than Michigan and it should have liked the rain with its running game. Mm-hmm. Nope, not a chance. And of course, if, if you were to say to Wisconsin, are you going to have a dry, perfectly, you know, dry track with perfect conditions? Or are you going to have slop and rain and a wet ball? Of course they would want that because you say, all right, we're going to pound away with our big time offensive line and we're just going to control the clock and we're going to keep this thing slow. Like, no, they could. They got dominated on the lines. And it wasn't just Chase Young, who I know is everyone's darling at the moment, uh, but the Ohio State, the rest of the defensive line dominated. The offensive line dominated and everything clicks. It's LSU is great. I still, I think Ohio State's the best team in college football right now. Yeah, I am right there with you. And Ryan Day, I mean, remember when that was the conversation? Michigan's going to win the Big Ten because Ryan Day is the head coach. Seems like uh, Urban Meyer knew what he was doing, grooming his assistant. Seems like Ohio State had their. Uh, yeah, you know what really sucks about this? I wrote a preseason column, the five potentially stupid predictions for the Big Ten season, and I would love to be able to go out there and pump it up right now because I have Minnesota going 8-0. I have Nebraska sort of sucking a little bit, uh, and I can't put it out there because one of my big predictions was that Ohio State was going to lose three games. So, oops, I can't really. Well, they still technically could, yeah, it's, maybe. I, actually, they could. They could breath. lose to Penn State. They could lose to Michigan. They could lose a playoff game. So, there, See, there's your there three you games. Well, I, I if you lose to Penn State and Michigan, they're not going to the playoffs. So, you better. Uh, or they could lose their bowl game. Yeah, yes. yeah, you better hope for the Georgia thing, not being interested in their bowl game if that's going to be your case and you're out to them losing three games. No, I think they're the best team in the nation right now, and I don't know if you want to have the conversation of is he worthy of winning the Heisman Trophy, but Chase Young, he's worthy of being a future number one overall pick. I do know that. Yeah, I, I still take Tua over him. I think it's uh, franchise quarterback-wise. I know t- quarterback is the new running back. That's my kind of case that you don't need that, but – Show me you know, the big wins that Cleveland has with Miles Garrett so mm-hmm. far and the you know the big playoff Super Bowl runs that Joey Bosa has t- taken the uh, Chargers to. So yeah, you need your quarterback, so I get that. But he has been fantastic. That whole defensive front. But it, it was alluded to. Joel Klatt said it right at the beginning, and people kind of forget. Every one of those starting 11 guys on the Ohio State defense is Johnny Five Star. That That is a just a ridiculous ridiculously talented. You could even make the case that Jeffrey Okuda is probably the best defensive player on that team NFL talent-wise, even though Chase Young's right there and probably the number one overall pick. Uh, He's great. I mean, he just completely took over that game from the start, made it his. He looked like, uh, I hate to use this cliche, but I'm going to do it, a man among boys. And Mm -hmm. he was just incredible. And it's funny how when something like that happens and people like actually pay attention, it's like, oh, wow, look, he's a Heisman guy now. Look, we... Look at him. But the problem with being a defensive end like that and being a Heisman guy is he's going to have a game where he's really good and he comes up with three tackles, no sacks, and no tackles for loss, and the stats just don't bear it out. So it's it he's not going to win the Heisman. But at the very least, with Jonathan Taylor falling off, even though Jalen Hurts was brilliant against Kansas State, he takes a hit now to his ankles a problem. The Heisman guys are starting to fall away, so he might be that number three guy in a lot of people's ballots if this thing was done right now. Yeah, it probably would be, I would think. Uh, the problem with also that happening, it's just he's always kind of the 
All right. Yep. Maybe we'll invite a defensive guy every four or five years, and it'll be a cute little story, whether it's Tyron Matthew, Manti Teo, and Kong Sue had that happen as One well. One big difference as you keep going. I voted for Manti Teo. I voted for Kong Sue mainly because they really did change games. Sure. Like Manti Teo intercepted everything. Right. So there was no I – mean, Notre Dame's not in the BCS championship game if Teo isn't going off and making just really big, gigantic plays – that won them games. Same thing with Sue. Sue took over that Big Ten, cha- I'm sorry, Big Twelve championship yeah. against Texas, and he was just he came up with a historically great year. Uh, I still think the easiest big time sports argument to win is the Charles Woodson over Peyton Manning Heisman argument. I mean, because Woodson with what he did in game after game with key picks at timely moments, they don't win a national championship without him. So an MVP and an MOP, that's an easy win. It's kind of hard to do that with Chase Young. They 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 beat Wisconsin without Chase Young. You know they they're still undefeated if they don't have him. He has he's been great, but he hasn't necessarily been the most valuable player, if that makes any sense. Because at the moment, you, how how do you not say Justin Fields isn't more valuable? J.K. Dobbins has been phenomenal. I mean, there's there's like five guys on this Ohio State team that are all fantastic so far. Well, that's a yeah, it's a product of. When Charles Woodson won at that Michigan offense, Brian Greasy wasn't leading uh, leading Michigan teams down at will and scoring at will. They weren't putting up 35, 40, 40 on the regular. There's a team that had to grind out every point they scored that season offensively, and it, it just not – you're exactly right when you break it down in Ohio State that way. It's not – it hasn't come down to, and I would assume outside of maybe the Penn State game, it's not going to come down to Chase Young being the difference of, okay, there's his big strip sack to steal up a ball game. He might, though. That that might happen. But to get to that point, is he going to get the Is he going to have enough to, yeah, is he going to have enough, like, mojo or whatever to get there in the first place to even be in, in consideration for it? I tend to be with you. I mean, it seems like it's Joe Burrow's prize to win so far this year. I would have Chase Young on my ballot, definitely. It would be him and Justin Fields, one, two. Either way, put them in either order for me. It's just I, it, that's the that's the most important quarterback on the field. And to me, I think that uh, yeah, Chase Young it is. It sucks is that Jalen hurt that they lost that game. Look at the box score of what that Oklahoma Kansas State was game was. Oklahoma's running backs combined for I, I think I have this right, like six yards on nine carries. Jalen Hurts that's went not off a lot. For, 395 passing yards. He led the team in rushing. He he has just been everything for this team. He has been absolutely perfect. But as I keep saying, the Heisman, it's a different animal than the draft. It's a different animal. It's a different argument than, you know, who's the best player. It, it, the Heisman is a popularity contest, and it just really does come down to who is the signature guy. And it's kind of hard right now to say, yeah, Chase Young is not at least in that group. So what happens this week? The one huge game that's on the table, at least, the world's largest uh, tailgate. Cocktail party. Uh, Take yeah. it. I'm, I'm cool uh, with that. You're I'm fine cool with it. drinking. You're, you're not offended by drinking? Okay. I'm a little offended largest... by shooting people, but if you want to call yeah. it the outdoor you know, shootout, I'm fine with that. Cocktail shootout. But uh, drinking at a, at a you know, ball game, okay. I'm, I'm actually all right with that. Okay. Yeah, and it's on a neutral field. It's in Jacksonville, so you're all okay with drinking. By the way, you, you want a little, little you quirky fun stat? I think Dennis Dodd owns the world's largest outdoor cocktail party than the, the rights to that. Yes. I did not know that. I Somehow he's come across that. It's yes. Little, little tidbit for your day. I could, I, I think it might be urban myth. I could ask him again, but I, I seem to think he does own that. Oh, good job by him to get that trademarked and, and get that part on it. 
I to me, Georgia I had high expectations for this year, and I know they still only have just the one loss, but they haven't looked good getting to that point with just one loss. Florida, you made the case earlier that if they lose to LSU twice and it's close both times, they could be a college football playoff team even with two losses over one loss Pac-12 champs, one loss Big 12 champs. I, what happens this Saturday? Am I am I just jumping off a Georgia bandwagon too early here? Am I buying into Florida a little bit too late? I still don't think that they're like on that level of greatness, so I don't know if they've so much caught Georgia as Georgia has come back down to them too because I still think that there's a gap between LSU and Florida and a gap between Alabama and Florida SEC-wise. Yeah, how's this for real insight and professional analysis? I don't know. Like, Georgia's great. They've got all this great talent. They've got NFL guys. They might have the best offensive line in the country. Jake Fromm is an NFL starter. DeAndre Swift is an NFL starter. The receivers are eh, but they'd be great for anybody else. They've got the playmakers on defense. They've got a great kicker. They've got depth. They've got talent, and they're just not playing like it. So maybe this is when it all kicks in. Maybe this is when the turnaround comes and they start to rock and roll. And I'm with you. You know I've been Mr. Florida all year. I, I maybe it's because it's Kyle Trask. I just don't quite believe in Kyle Trask, even though he's been brilliant. It seems like their great defensive players are always kind of gimpy and hurt at the wrong time. I guess I, I if I have to do it, I'm going Georgia right now, but I'm not there yet. I, I, I'm flipping a coin on this one so far because this rivalry game over the years really does defy logic and reason. Uh, but this time around, I, I, I'm just waiting for Georgia to show up. Yeah, I just, again, I don't know. This is just a, such a crazy game. Yeah, when it comes down to game this close matchup-wise, I know I like Dan Mullen more than I like Kirby Smart. That I do know. Of the few things that I think I know in this game, that I do know. And I know that Florida is a five-and-a-half or so point dog, uh, bet MGM. At least that's where they're listed as a 5.5 point dog, 5.5. Uh, five-and-a-half-point dog in that. I see – I like Florida there. If you're going to give me five-and-a-half points, I'm definitely taking yeah. on that stretch. I don't dislike them to win this game outright because, I mean, it's the weirdness of the outdoor cocktail party, the neutral site, rivalry game, and everything that goes into it, and strange things happening. I just – I think Florida's defense, because of the way they win games and they're built to succeed, it's never pretty, and it's gotten me to be a slow believer in them. I like them Saturday, though. I, 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 you put it like that. How, where does it matter? If I'm doing this for real and it really does count, which is at the window, yeah, it, I, it's a coin flip game and I'm getting five and a half. I guess I'm going to go with that, even though, I, again, I, I'm waiting for Georgia to just flip that switch that Michigan flipped. I want to see, I, I see Georgia come out and just hammer away. I don't know if they can do it. I just, I, I don't think they're just so dink and dunk. There's just not enough, you know, Fromm isn't pushing the ball down the field enough. This receiving core hasn't been strong enough. They, they've they been okay. They play it close to the vest normally because they can. And it's my, it's been my Wisconsin Paul Christ argument where you know you're better than the other team until Illinois goes, you know, Illinois is nice. <laughs> Illinois goes on that one drive to, to end it all. And that's what happened against South Carolina. They just said, all right, well, we're better than South Carolina. We're just going to rely on doing what we do, and they're not going to beat us until they did. So that's not going to happen this week. I, 
I, I'm torn. I really am torn on this game, and I can see any narrative that we want to go with uh, just because Georgia hasn't shown up this year. Florida's a little bit overachievy. So I, but again, if you're giving me five and a half, I guess I got to go with the Gators on that. Yeah, definitely taking the dog in that matchup. Ready for a little bit of a uh, little bit different way of doing a Power Five this week? Let's go. All right, Power Five. We go over each and every one of the five major conferences, get a minute or two on each one of those, and get you some thoughts on some of the teams that maybe that we missed discussing in the program each and every week. We start the ACC. Very simple questions this week, Pete. Clemson plays who and beats who in the ACC uh, championship? It's the, the crazy part about this is whoever they beat is going to end up in the Orange Bowl, and we're at that. I'm still waiting for Virginia. Speaking of flipping the switch, I'm still waiting for Virginia to do that. You can name about 12 teams in that six-team division, and you could probably come up with the one that's going to actually get there. Clemson is going to beat Virginia. I am sticking with my preseason call because there's no one else showing up, except Virginia Tech has been hanging around, and they beat Virginia every year. So it's either Virginia or Virginia Tech. Again, I'm going to stick with my preseason call and say Clemson over the Cavaliers. Okay, North Carolina getting the big win over Duke last week. Got them uh, tied atop that standings. I was wrong about Mac Brown. I really was. I No, you I, weren't. Yes, I was. No, you weren't. No, you I, they're, they're more compelling than I thought they'd be under them at any point. So Last already... year, they lost a million close games. This year, they're winning a bunch of close games against bad teams. They're, they're still not great. They're, oh, I know they're not great, but I won't trust North Carolina football to ever be great. I don't think it'll ever be great. It's not the Mac Brown's first run around. I, I, I let, let me help be... you with why you were right on this. Scott Satterfield. Look at what he's doing at Louisville. Sure. All took his one change. There's your guy for the next 10 years if you're North Carolina. And, okay, the Mac Brown thing's cute. It's fuzzy. And, all right, that can be good. But Satterfield's the guy that can potentially be that coach to take your coach, uh, your program to another level. So you wound up taking Virginia Tech because they're hanging around and they own Virginia. I am going to stick with North Carolina. I'm going to go with Mac Brown on this thing. They're only a 500 team overall, but they got five ACC games already knocked out. And I think that that running game can match up with damn near anyone in that division. In a poor division, I'm going with the Tar Heels, and I hate myself for it. Oh, God, I feel like I have to go take a shower after saying that. You would be awesome, by the way, as we completely dog the Coastal. You know what we haven't had yet in the college football playoff era? We haven't seen that weird uh, conference championship upset. We haven't had like the pit over Clemson right. yet. That how how awesome would that be just for sheer theoretical playoff discussion sake? If Clemson gets there twelve and zero, somehow loses to you know Virginia Tech or North Carolina or Pitt or someone like that. Well, that just we haven't had one of those yet. Yeah, like what happens if say you get to the conference championship season and I don't know. Minnesota, after they have a loss or two at the end of the year, they get to Indianapolis, and then they go and they knock off Ohio State somehow. Like, then what happens? I keep saying the playoff committee has gotten off really easy so far because we haven't had to deal with that yet. What happens in the big – I'm trying to go alphabetically here. Is Big 12 or Big 10? Big 10. I don't know. You know what? I've been doing this for over 20 years. I still don't quite – no or like is it 10 because numerically 10 is before 12 i guess to, i guess in all ways it would be big 10 would be alphabetically first right I, yeah but if you spell out the 12 instead of doing the yeah, um, yeah t-e-n over t-w yeah right so i guess okay we'll go with the big 10 then and then we'll get to the big 12 
crazy Midwestern wars going on here on the College Football News Podcast. Um, Ohio this State. This is what we call high end <laughs> podcasting. That is right. Ohio State and Penn State, they'll play here coming up in uh, mid November. I think second to last week of the year, actually. They m- match up in Columbus. That looks like it's going to be a battle of unbeaten. It's going to be a battle of probably both top five, maybe top four teams once they get around to meeting. Who do they play? Ohio State, Penn State winner. I think it's Ohio State. We mentioned that we think that they're the best team in the country so far this year. Who's coming out of the West? Because the conference, the division, at least of the conference, that was supposed to be so competitive, one through seven, is uh, pretty damn average, Pete. It's all right. It's it's compared to other divisions across the country. It's pretty fun. I'm sticking with my preseason call that the Paul Bunyan X game, Wisconsin versus Minnesota, is going to be for it. The, the, the wild part about it now is because Wisconsin has two losses, because of that Illinois thing, Minnesota can run can pull a Northwestern of last year and run away and hide with this. They just need one more if Wisconsin loses to, say, Iowa or Nebraska or something crazy. I mean, the Huskers are still sort of in this in a strange way. I think Wisconsin, I'm going to go with my preseason call again. I'm not going to waver with this now. Ohio State does that again to Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Wisconsin wins out the rest of the way, and then it gets just knocked all over the place again by the Buckeyes. Yeah, I have Wisconsin as well. I think I said it last week. Minnesota's 5-0, and 8-0 after their win um, in convincing fashion over Maryland that you had the upset that you were ready to pull and we're all excited for Oof. they uh wow. they moved to eight no. I'm not convinced they get the ten wins despite their eight no start. So I'm going with Wisconsin to represent the Big Ten West and probably have the exact same thing happen to them in Indianapolis that happened to them this past Saturday. There, big. They, but first, we have to get through the cliche of, oh, it's really hard to beat the same team twice. But it's well, not uh, if you have Ohio State. Right, not talent. if it's the same bad team or not necessarily bad team. But if you're that great, it's not that hard to beat the same team twice. Um, no, you still have Chase Young and the boys, yeah. Speaking of beating a team twice, is Oklahoma going to be able to uh, get back in the college <sighs> football playoff discussion by beating Baylor twice? Would it do enough for them to get them there? Assuming Baylor's that... only losses are to Oklahoma. I have been, I, again, going back to stay with your first answer on the SAT and then just go CCCC the rest of the way. I'm sticking with my first answer and saying that Oklahoma is going to lose at Oklahoma State. Uh, at the end of the regular season, I have no earthly clue who that second team is because Baylor now all of a sudden has to play the real teams. I guess it is going to be Baylor because everyone else keeps knocking each other off. They get Oklahoma at home. They get Texas at home. So I'm going to say Oklahoma wins your Big 12 championship over the Baylor Bears. Okay, yeah, I think Oklahoma does too. I have thought they've had the most talent there the entire time. I do like how Baylor's doing it, though, of being really the only team in the conference. It's like, you know what? Everyone else is zigging. We're going to zag and kind of build up defensively here, see what we can slow down, see what we can stop. And maybe by Big 12 standards, it's not the most exciting brand of football that you've come to associate with Baylor. Although all their games are exciting. All their games seem to come down to something weird and wacky and some bad calls screwing things up at the end. At least lately they have. Yeah, it's it, it has been interesting. It has been compelling, but I think Oklahoma's got too much to, to run with, even though that game being at Baylor the first time around could make things damn interesting. By the and way, then, the, the weird thing about Baylor is they're slow and go now. They're, they got they play defense. They don't turn the ball over. They do everything right. They're essentially trying to be Wisconsin or Kansas State kind of, except they suck at time of possession. You would think that a team like this normally is like number three in the nation yeah. because it just dominates. They're like 
something in the 113th-ish range. They just do not uh, seem to be able to control the ball or control the clock. It's, it's bizarre, no doubt about it. I that Oklahoma having to go down there, that's no longer just, just like six-inch punt. It, or six-inch putt, not the punt. That'd be a terrible punt. Um, I, that's I think that's how Wisconsin game. scored last week. I think didn't they have didn't Ohio State have the one six inch punt? punt yes, that, they that, had that, the that. terrible one that set it up for uh, the, for the one score for Wisconsin, and then Notre Dame had the blocked point that uh, they fumbled Jack on Cohen, themselves. That was it, yeah, yeah. yeah um, was... Switch things up to the Pac-12, Oregon and Utah. First off, Utah has to have a little bit of help in order to still get here because they have the head-to-head loss at USC earlier this season. But assuming they get that help and they get to the Pac-12 championship and play Oregon, which one of those two teams with one loss would have the better case to get to the college football playoff? Or is that discussion, is that argument equal? Uh, Oregon would have the better one because their one loss was in the final moments against Auburn where everything else worked. Utah's one loss would be at USC, which isn't going to be as acceptable. So Oregon would probably have the better argument. But we had Michael Lev on uh, the podcast several weeks ago. He's one of the guys who's out there who's saying that Utah is just the best team in the, in the conference. As long as Tyler Huntley can stay healthy, as long as Zach Moss can stay healthy, they've got everything in place to uh, to really just rip through the rest of the conference. They have been fantastic. Their defensive line is just a terror right now. Oregon, I don't know if America watched this game. Apparently they didn't, according to the polls. But they needed everything in the bag to get by a bad Washington State team. Right. They kind of lucked out. They needed a freshman kicker to hit something. They needed Justin Herbert to come up with a couple big plays. They, even with C.J. Verdell running for 240 yards or whatever it was, they struggled. So long-winded way of saying, I think Utah beats Oregon for your Pac-12 title. Okay. I Oregon hasn't been that impressive to me. They had a little bit of stint there, end of September, into early October. But, yeah, you're right about it being a couple weeks. I did like how they bounced back against Washington. I thought that was their toughest remaining, at least, regular season game a week ago. But, yeah, after the Notre Dame-Michigan game game ended and you flip over and you start watching that and you're like, okay, hey, Oregon, this thing on, you working? And then they finally (laughs) got to get after it there late in the ball game. Uh, SC- Watch Utah's lines; they are killing everybody yes. right now. It's they are they are just destroying people. I it's a good all of a sudden the Pac-12 South has become really bizarre because Arizona's gone bye bye. Arizona State's taking the rest of the season off. UCLA is now turning into a team that might be able to go bowling if you look at what they've got ahead. As crazy as that might sound, uh, so but Utah's just going to run right through everyone else, and they're going to get there. Okay, if you say so. I thought that I thought the same thing about Utah. I'm still confused by the USC game when all of that happened. Them losing that game because I thought, oh yeah, there's no way you're gonna out physical Utah from what I'd seen. Watch them against BYU, and then USC goes and it's like they just punched him in the face repeatedly all night long. Won that game. So as much as I think you're right about Utah, I'm not as sold that they're going to put it together for an entire season. I'm still going to go with Oregon, kind of sneaking by, getting by. They're surviving in advances, gun to my head. I still have Oregon winning the Pac-12. Okay, finally, the granddaddy of them all. No, I don't mean the Rose Bowl, but the SEC championship. LSU and Alabama here coming up in a couple of weeks. We will have an in-depth preview on all of that for you. Winner of that game you assume is going to be a heavy favorite in the SEC championship and win that and go to the college football playoff. 
Is the loser now also a two-foot putt to get to the college football playoff based off of Oklahoma falling and and everything else that's going on? Yeah, it's kind of this weird scenario where you're almost in a really strange way potentially better off losing, not really, but you're not taking that chance of playing the SEC championship game because, like you said, the loser of Bama LSU, if it's 11-1, is probably in this thing as long as the winner goes 13 and 0 though. Uh, but I, if we're going with who the champion's going to be, I'm going to make my early call right now. I reserve the right to change it after if depending on how Tua's ankle is. I think Alabama wins next week against LSU and I'm, I I picked it before. I guess I've got to stick with Georgia at this point even though Florida's better, but I I'm going to reserve the right to change that. Uh, I just, I, again, I don't know when it comes to this Georgia-Florida game quite yet. <laughs> yeah, the Georgia-Florida one, it's definitely hard to figure out, hard to f- kind of figure out what's going on with both of those teams. I think Florida, they've, they, I've been very slow to get on board with them, but it's just because they do things a little bit differently than the hip and new way of doing it in college football. They're built so much on defense. They don't put up a ton of points. They don't move the ball at will. But they win a lot of damn games, and they keep you from scoring a whole heck of a lot of points, and there's obviously a bunch of value there for that team. I like Florida to end up winning the SEC East. That I feel better about than actually picking a game next week in Alabama and LSU. But I guess that, it's yeah, it's going to be like the old uh, Nick Saban-Urban Meyer days back in the late 2000s part there. I guess I'll have the the Florida Alabama SEC title and yeah, I'm with you. You can't go can't, can't go against Bama so much in that. Can I can I throw against can I throw the the really bad scenario? I will swear there, even though I know we can do that. I'm not doing that. The real bad scenario that could happen is that Tua's ankle is bad. He can't go, or he does go, and he's gimpy. Mac Jones is fine. LSU wins, but it's close next week, and then. Who is back and he's healthy and they destroy everyone else and destroy Auburn. By the way, don't overlook Alabama still has to go to Auburn. That is not a layup. Mm-hmm. LSU pretty much has it after this. Alabama still has got the iron bowl to deal with on the road. Uh, but the bad scenario is Alabama loses close to LSU without Tua, and then Tua's back, and then they destroy everyone. They beat Auburn, and then the college football playoff committee has to be like, yeah, they lost that game, but in the four best team theory with a healthy Tua, because that's taken into consideration who's who's got the healthy guys. Uh, then they got to put him in and say, yeah, with Tua, Alabama's the best team. But we're denied the pleasure of the big giant showdown of Tua versus Burrow. At, at everyone helped at 100%. Yeah, that's going to be a fun one to uh, to break down once it gets here next week. Uh, Florida and Georgia's the one this week. You you don't know. I claim to like Florida, which means uh, Florida, I hope you enjoyed your, your successful start to the year because you're screwed because <laughs> I can't get a damn thing right uh, so far this season. He's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. That's the week 10 preview episode, week nine recap episode of the College Football News Podcast. We'll be back next week to break it all down, all the happenings and preview in-depthly the game of the year, LSU and Bama on the College Football News Podcast. <laughs>